Well, hey, everyone. Good to see all of you here joining us at all of our campuses and those of you watching online. As you saw in that video, we have a new series starting in a couple of weeks called One by One. And I don't say this lightly, but this series will impact the next several years in the life of our church. So if you consider yourself a part of Eagle Brook at all, or maybe you're wondering what we're all about or where we're headed in the future, I cannot emphasize enough, make sure you do not miss those first two weekends in November. And of course, next weekend, we've got Dave Ramsey coming. So we're just fired up about all kinds of things here at Eagleburg Church. But today, we are finishing up a message series titled Battle Ready. And in this series, as we've been studying the New Testament book of Ephesians, the author Paul says that in Christ, we are spiritually filled, gifted, and chosen by God himself. If we truly believe that, how could we not be ready for whatever battle life throws our way? It seems like we've got everything we need. But then in Ephesians 6, the final chapter, Paul warns that there is a battle going on that we cannot win without additional help. Here's what he writes. He says, a final word. In other words, if you haven't heard anything else, make sure you hear this. We are not fighting, he says against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, for those who are new to church or faith, this might sound like something from Game of Thrones, but scripture makes clear there is a spiritual world that is as real as the physical. And it says you and I are in a struggle, a battle, not just against things we can see, but against an enemy we can't see. So in verse 13, he goes on, he says, so therefore put on every piece, he says, every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Now in summary, there's a battle. This battle is against a dark spiritual world. And these evil spirits are trying to bring division, destruction, cause brokenness in our lives. None of us can defeat these spirits on our own. Therefore, we need God's armor, every piece of it to resist the enemy, stand firm and win the battle. But here's the problem. Most people I find don't know about the enemy, let alone God's armor, or how to use it. Maybe a story will help explain. Before my junior year of college at Chapman University, a small college in Southern California where I went to play baseball, my baseball coach asked me that summer, John, would you ever want to play catcher? I said, not really. He said, do you ever want to play in games? Yeah, I do. Then you're going to need to play catcher. (laughs) Now, in my entire baseball career, I'd never played this position. I'd never thrown a runner out, caught a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, I never blocked a curveball in the dirt, let alone put on any of the catcher's gear. And I consider myself a pretty decent athlete with things that involve a ball. You know, I can hit, throw, catch, but I'm not a good natural athlete. I can't run fast or jump high, and I'm arguably the most inflexible person in the entire world, seriously. And I know this is gonna shock some of you because several times a week, I have a person come up to me, several people come up to me and say, wow, you are way bigger than I thought, but there's something about this screen that shrinks me. But at six foot three, 
220 pounds with an upper body that is three times larger than my lower body. I'm just a big, awkward, lumbering guy. The point is my body wasn't designed to play catcher. But my baseball coach was so determined to make me a catcher that they actually hired me a private catching instructor by a guy named uh, named Cooch. And the first thing that Cooch had me do was put on all the catcher's gear and just get into a, a catcher's stance, a catcher's squat. And the very first time, I'm not kidding you, the first time I got into a squat, I got down to about here. Okay, and you know if you're a catcher, you're supposed to get down all the way so your butt's touching the ground. And Cooch looked at me like, you are a piece of work. (laughs) But Cooch started building my catching skills from the ground up, you know, three times a week. We'd go over the most basic drills and how each piece of catcher's gear would make me an effective catcher. And so we'd talk about the face mask and the helmet and how this would protect my face and my head and give me vision to see the field and what's happening in front of me. We talk about this thick padded glove, you know, and how to frame those pitches, catch those fastballs, how to use this glove to keep my fingers from breaking. We would talk about the shin guards and how these shin guards would actually um, allow me to slide left and right in the dirt to block baseballs, to keep my flexibility, to keep my knees and my shins from getting beat up. And of course, we'd go over the chest protector and how this chest protector could prevent my ribs from getting broken and how I could use this to um, use the right angles to block the balls and, and keep those baseballs in front of me. And we, it took a lot of tedious, tiresome work But eventually, over time, I became a somewhat effective catcher, so much so that in two years, I eventually signed a professional baseball contract with the Atlanta Braves organization. Look at young John there, just happy, (laughs) strapping young John. Now listen, I turned out to quite possibly be the worst professional baseball player in the history of professional baseball players, but that's beside the point. 12 years later, 12 years later, all of this gear, which I still have, just sits on a shelf in our garage. Of course, other than when I put it on to show my son Maddox that I used to be good at something. Now, (laughs) I show you this picture because this is the ultimate dad move, isn't it? To like tell your kids you used to be good at something. I look like such a doofus, so that's, you know. (laughs) But all of this gear is stored away, really never to be used again. I don't ever wanna play baseball again. I don't wanna play in your old man's leagues, okay? I'm not, I'm not there yet. <laughs> this gear is just sitting on a shelf in our garage, never to be used again. And see, my fear is we, we actually do this with the spiritual armor of God because maybe for some of you who've grown up in the church, grew up reading your Bibles, you know about the armor of God. You just haven't used it in a really long time. You haven't touched it in a really long time. It's just sitting up there on a shelf somewhere. Or maybe you never knew about the armor of God in the first place. You never knew how to effectively use the armor God provides. But the truth is, God has provided us an array of weapons and armor to protect us from a spiritual enemy named Satan who wants to steal our joy, kill our faith, and destroy the very best things about our life. But I get it. This dark spiritual world stuff can be really hard to believe. Some of you are sitting there thinking, Satan, you believe in that? That's that's boogie monster fairy tale stuff. 
You're telling me I have to believe in this invisible being named Satan who causes some evil in the world? I mean, maybe all you know about evil is from watching movies like The Exorcist or The Conjuring, this time of year especially. Halloween just right around the corner. It seems like every channel and movie theater is filled with horror movies. But while Hollywood makes evil look one way, really quickly, I wanna show you what the scriptures and even Jesus himself has to say about Satan and the spiritual realm. So the first truth is this, Satan and his demons are actual spiritual beings. We already read this in Ephesians 6, but Paul says they are spiritual forces, rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world. And then uh, it talks about in the last book of the Bible how Satan got his start, says there was war in heaven. The dragon, known as Satan, lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. In other words, Satan and his demons are spiritual beings who have some reign on this earth and every person must deal with them. Second truth is this, Satan is a destroyer, deceiver and a liar. Look what Peter says in 1 Peter, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Jesus himself refers to Satan as the father of all lies, a thief and a murderer. Satan hates anything that God loves. And like a lion, he is prowling around looking to devour the things that you love. And finally, Satan is subtle. Look what Paul writes in Corinthians. He says, I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of Satan. See, Satan will work in cunning and subtle ways to lure you away from God and faith. I heard it said once that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he doesn't exist, and it's true. Because Satan wants nothing more than for you to believe that he's not real. Why? Because if you don't believe he's real, then you won't work to fight against him. You won't know his power or the way that he works in the world. So that's who Satan and his demons are. They are spiritual beings who are actively trying to destroy, deceive, distract, lure you away from God and cause problems in our lives. Of course, not every problem is the work of Satan. People get sick because of a virus. They fail tests because they didn't study, get in car accidents because they were texting. But notice what Paul says. He says our main struggle, our main struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world. So put on every piece of God's armor so that when, not if, when the day of evil comes, you can stand your ground. Pay attention to that. Not if, but when. Well, not every problem is the work of Satan. Some problems are. Maybe you've never considered that this dark spiritual world could be the source of some of your problems. Maybe there's a relational issue and irrational fear and unrelenting sin that you've tried to overcome, but nothing's working. Maybe the problem is you haven't identified and gone after the right source. Last month for a couple of days, our house 
smelled like, and I'm sorry this sounds crass, it's the world I live in, but it smelled like poop. Can I say that? I, I don't know, I should check with someone. <laughs> now, you'll understand, we, we have two little dogs plus a three-year-old who refuses to go number two in the toilet. So when she has to go, she goes in her diaper at, at nighttime or she'll just plop it right down on the floor, okay? So it's not, it's not unusual for us to find a stray, smelly little present in our house. But after a couple of days of searching high and low, including on the bottom of every single shoe that we own, we just could not figure out where this smell was coming from. Now, eventually, we determined that the smell was coming from somewhere around our refrigerator. So we cleaned out the entire fridge, but even then, the smell didn't go away. So I said to my wife, Emily, maybe there's a a dead animal under or behind our fridge. And so she said, well, check. Now, if you know me, I I don't do dead animals, okay? I have a strong dislike of dead animals, so I said, well, call your dad to come check. (laughs) I can't believe I tell these stories. So So her dad came over, pulled out the fridge. I hid around the corner. No dead animal, thank goodness. Perplexed, we didn't know what else to do, so we went to YouTube, which is just, you know, where you can find the answers to all of life's problems, and... (laughs) and figured out that the smell was probably coming from something called the drip pan. And that's exactly what had happened. A rancid substance had accumulated in the drip pan and the fan in the back of our fridge was blowing the smell all throughout our house. And of course, the problem only went away once we cleaned out and identified the right source. The same is true with problems in our lives. Until we identified the correct source. We will never get rid of the problem. And I'm here to say, sometimes the source is spiritual. Satan and his demons need to be dealt with. So here's the thing. Satan wants to destroy our marriages, our reputations, our careers, our finances, our faith, and our lives. Maybe there's a spiritual oppression or demonic activity that feels like hopelessness. There's just something in your life that you cannot shake. Satan is actively trying to destroy the things that are most valuable to you. It's that serious. But Paul says, in Christ, through Christ, we are equipped to go after the source and defeat the powers of this dark World. God has already provided the weapons and armor necessary to win. We just need to know how to use them. So what do we do? How do we put on every piece of God's armor so that we will be able to resist the enemy? Well, the first way is this. It's to live by truth. Paul says it this way. Stand your ground and put on the belt of truth. Is there anyone here who just needs to stand their ground Now, when Paul wrote this letter initially, he was imprisoned and chained to a Roman soldier and undoubtedly influenced by what those Roman soldiers wore when he was writing this letter. And so when a Roman soldier went into battle, they often wore a leather belt that looked like this. Now, it served a couple of purposes. First, the soldier could hang their weapons from this belt, but second, while running into battle, they could take their toga, that's what they wore, and tuck their toga into their belt so they didn't trip. You know, a belt doesn't seem real important until you don't have one. 
Because if we're running into battle and suddenly our pants or our togas are down around our ankles, we're gonna be falling and tripping all over ourselves. So what's the belt of truth that Paul refers to? Well, it's the truthfulness by which a person lives their lives. So question for you. How many people do you know who have wrecked their lives, their families, their businesses, because they haven't lived truthfully? When you're tempted to twist the truth, Satan will use this tactic of whispering to you, that little white lie, it's not a big deal. No one's ever gonna know. That you're not hurting anyone. But when you give in to that temptation, eventually the, the belt of truth will loosen so much that eventually you'll be falling and tripping all over yourselves. Lies always catch up to you. But when you wear the belt of truth, when you live truthfully, you don't ever have to be afraid of getting caught with your pants down around your ankles. There's nothing to expose. Second way to protect yourself from the enemy is to strengthen your character. Now, Paul says it this way, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, when a Roman soldier went into battle, they often wore a breastplate that was a metal piece of armor it covered everything from neck to waist, protected the vital organs, impenetrable to enemy's arrows. So when Paul refers to the breastplate of righteousness, he's referring to right living or strong character. Because when you're living right and your character is strong, your heart and your soul uh, is protected from the enemy's attacks. But when there's a crack in your character, there's a crack in your armor, Satan will see that opening and try to bring you down. Back in 1993, our military got into a horrible gunfight on the streets of Mogadishu, Somalia. And some of you remember that vivid photograph of an American soldier being dragged bloodied and naked through the streets of Somalia. The movie Black Hawk Down um, depicted just how horrible that day was. But there's a piece of the story that has always stood out for me. One of our men, because it was so hot outside, loosened his bulletproof vest for just a moment to cool off. And it was then that a sniper's bullet took him right through the ribs, passed through the heart and out the other side. Now the medics eventually found that bullet stuck inside his vest, but not before he had bled to death, moments before. And you know, the soldier thought he could cool off for just a moment, loosen his vest. So if you miss everything else today, please don't miss this. Satan brings people down when they loosen their vest. He sees the opening and goes in for the kill. All he needs is a crease, a crack in our armor, a small indiscretion. You know, I only say this because I love you, but some people today are involved in a lifestyle, relationship, behavior, a habit that's sinful, and it's why you continue to get beat down. It's why you fail frequently, lack joy, or fail to experience the fullness of life that Jesus talks about. Your character is weak, and you're vulnerable to Satan's attacks. By the way, we all have a vulnerability. Satan will wait for sometimes years to wait for you to expose that crack in your armor, that vulnerability before he tries to bring you down. We all have it. 
Now, I don't know what it is for you, but maybe you've recently loosened that vest ever so subtly. It's the lingering look at work. It's the late night texts or Facebook messages. It's the skimming of a few extra dollars off the cash register or bottom line. It's the phone on the bedside late at night when you're all alone. And you tell yourself, no one's ever going to know. I can loosen the vest a little bit. I'm not hurting anyone. Now, a soldier in Somalia thought the same thing and came home in a body bag. But see, now that vest, that armor is loosened and Satan will do whatever he can to, to try to destroy everything valuable in your life so that look will turn into an affair. It could. The skimming turns into a destroyed career or reputation. The late night views turn into a full-blown addiction to pornography. Again, I don't know what it is for you, but do some reflecting this week. Where are you vulnerable? Where have you loosened your vest? Where is the crack in your character, it's not too late. Ask God for help, confess it. He'll seal that armor up. Don't give the enemy a crack. Don't slip on your character. Third way to protect yourself from the enemy is to increase your faith. Paul says it this way, hold up the shield of faith to stop not some, but all the fiery arrows of the devil. Now, a Roman soldier carried a... Um, a shield into battle that was massive. It was two feet by four feet, wooden and wrapped in leather. And of course, the shield would protect the soldier from the enemy's arrows, but often those arrows were lit on fire, so the leather that the shield was wrapped in would extinguish the flame. So in the same way, Satan and his demonic armies will shoot all kinds of arrows that will pierce our lives, but those arrows are lit on fire and can destroy everything, arrows of temptation, accusation, and lies, arrows like, you're not good enough. Be anxious and afraid. God isn't real. Just, just one look. No one's ever gonna know. You'll never be forgiven. Any of those sound familiar? Some of those do sound familiar to me. But Paul says the way to extinguish these arrows of temptation, accusation, and lies is to increase our faith. Because faith says in Christ, you're more than enough. God is stronger than the temptation. Don't be anxious and afraid. God is with you and for you. He will never leave you or abandon you. And I get it takes faith to believe those things. But I'm telling you, you can't knock down any of the enemy's arrows on your own. Faith becomes a shield that will extinguish all, not some, all of the enemy's fiery arrows. So where's your faith? Increase it and hide behind that shield of faith that God provides. Fourth way to protect yourself is to claim your identity in Christ. Paul says it this way, put on the helmet of salvation. Now, you've probably seen a Roman soldier's helmet before. It looks like this. And obviously, they wore it to protect their heads from the enemy's attacks. But also, this red broom on top allowed them to easily identify their teammates on the battlefield. So for Paul, when he says, put on the helmet of salvation, he's saying, protect our mind. 
protect the things that we watch or see or pay attention to or think about, the movies that we watch, the TV shows, the books we read. But he's also saying, claim your identity in Christ. Now, what does that mean? It means for those who put their faith in Christ, you are a child of the Most High God. You're not an orphan or a stranger. You're not on the enemy's team. You're not opposition. You've been adopted as God's own child. And the same spirit of God that raised Christ Jesus from the grave lives within you. So when Paul says, put on the helmet, protect your minds, but also claim the identity that is rightfully yours. You are on God's team. He has chosen you as your, as his own child. And I don't know about you, but I, I struggle to believe this at times, that God loves me like his own. Do you ever struggle with that? And so when I was thinking about this part of God's armor, I was thinking about my friends, Charlie and Tessa, who recently adopted a little girl from India just, just about a year ago. This is them over in India. But for the first year of this little girl's life, she was an orphan, living in an orphanage in India. No mom, no dad, no real hope for the future. But on January 12th, Charlie and Tessa adopted her as their own, gave her a new name, Priya. She became their child, a part of their family. And when I see the immense amount of love that they have for this little girl that they've adopted, I'm reminded that even that love pales in comparison to the love that God has for me and each one of his own children. You're not an orphan. You're not a stranger. You are a child of God. So when you feel like Satan is causing you to question your identity, your sense of worth, your place in his family, put on the helmet and tell Satan, I'm a child of God. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. Final way to protect yourself from the enemy is to use your weapons. Paul says it this way, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, Roman soldiers often carried two weapons into battle, a sword and a small dagger. And this is the only offensive weapon that Paul references. So up until this point, he's been talking about armor, ways to protect ourselves, but now he's saying this is the way to fight back against the division, the pain, the lies and attacks of Satan. It's to know God's word. So do you read it? I think of reading the Bible, God's word like the sword. Every day I'm allowing God's word to seep into my heart, my soul, my mind. I'm just wielding this massive sword, an offensive weapon to fight back. But then do you know it? I think of this like the dagger. It's having a few scriptures memorized that you can fight back against the lies and attacks of Satan. Scriptures like here on earth, Jesus says, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's knowing verses like cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. Some of you need to memorize that this week. Cast your anxiety onto God. And finally, do you know this one? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me when Satan comes after you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's word is a weapon that fights back against the attacks 
of Satan. So study it, read it, repeat it, know it. As you do, God's word will defeat every one of Satan's schemes. Now I'm guessing, if you're like me, you won't remember all of these pieces of armor, you know? It's a lot to remember. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. But maybe there's one where you'll say, you know what, I, I need to focus on putting on that piece of armor this week. Maybe it's to read more of God's word. Maybe it's to memorize one scripture verse. Maybe it's to strengthen your character, to close up those cracks in your armor, to think about where you're most vulnerable to Satan's attacks. Maybe it's to increase your faith so that you can trust God with no matter what's happening in your life. Whatever it is, ask yourself, what's one piece of armor? What's one piece of armor that you can put on this week? Now to close, this entire series and, and this message on God's armor. Ephesians chapter six, Paul writes this. He says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Several times a week, I pray a prayer very similar to this one. I say, God, I pray protection over my life, my family, and our church and ask that you bind Satan from attacking, cut off any demonic ties, and protect us from Satan in Jesus' name. And the reason I pray this prayer is because Christ in me has the power to protect the things that are valuable to me from Satan. Satan cannot stand up to the name of Jesus. He flees at the very mention of his name. So as a follower of Christ, if you do anything at all from this message, start praying a prayer similar to this one. Pray protection over the things that are valuable to you because as you do, I want you to hear this truth. You have no idea what hangs in the balance as you pray for spiritual protection. What hangs in the balance is a spiritual battle over the things that are valuable you are valuable. You are worth protecting. You are created in Christ Jesus. You are God's masterpiece. He wants to do great works through you. God wants to protect you, but it's also the people, the lives, and the places that you've been entrusted. What's valuable to you is valuable to God. Satan wants to go after it, but God wants to protect it. So for me, as I've been reflecting on this message for me at the top of the list of what's valuable to me is my family. Because what hangs in the balance is our marriage and faithfulness to one another. It's the faith in eternities of my children. It's the fullness of life that they will experience. And as a follower of Christ, you and I are called to pray for protection over that which is most valuable to you and God. Now we'd say this if he was in here. But our son Maddox was not the easiest kid to raise for the first six years of his life. And he's only seven. <laughs> Strong-willed, competitive, stubborn, just like his parents, gosh. <laughs> but nearly every day since he was born, I've tried to pray protection over him. At night, we're not perfect at this, but at night we read the Bible and pray together. In the morning, before he gets on the bus, I say something like, God is with you. Nearly every day since kindergarten, 
My wife has written him just a little note that she includes in his backpack or lunch pail. Notes that say, you have what it takes. Be honest, kind, and loving. Say a prayer when you feel sad. Jesus loves you. And with these notes, Emily is increasing his faith, strengthening his character, reminding him of the truth. Now, why? Because we know that Satan is going to come after him, that he will lie and tempt him, fire all kinds of arrows his way. And as his parents, we are doing whatever we can to remind him of and build up God's armor in his life. We know full well his life is not going to be perfect. Praying for protection will not lead to a sinless, pain-free life. And I'm struck that some of you with older kids, you know that all too well. But for those still in the battle, what I'm saying is when Satan comes after my kids, he's gonna have to come through me and the power of Christ in me. So what about you? What's most valuable to you? Because I guarantee that Satan is already attacking it, but God wants to help you protect it. But your role in this battle, our role in this battle is to pray, so pray for your kids. You know their battles. You are spiritually equipped and given authority in the spiritual realm to win battles on their behalf. Pray for your roommate. Pray for your friends, your family. Pray for your neighbors who are far from God. Pray for our country and our leaders. Pray for our world. Wage war on their behalf. Pray for our church. We are on the front lines of spiritual battles, intense spiritual battles. So frequently I find myself praying for Bob and Jason, their families and their health, our pastors, our volunteers. Satan does not want us to take more ground. He doesn't want us to reach more people far from God. We are on the front lines of these spiritual battles. So as we conclude this series, will you join us in praying for our church to reach more people far from God? Whatever it is, as you pray for spiritual protection, the things that hang in the balance are the things that are most valuable to you and God. So be alert, be persistent, and pray. There is no greater weapon at your disposal. And in Jesus' name, Satan doesn't stand a chance. So with that, let's all stand for closing prayer across all of our campuses. Heavenly Father, I'm struck by the immense weight of, of this message that Paul writes to us in Ephesians. I think every single person, whether they know you or not, would be able to identify that there is some evil at work in the world and it is clashing with good and goodness. The things that God, you represent, love and joy, peace, hope, relational wholeness, personal well-being, and ultimately a faith in you. And as this clash happens, God, we claim the victory that is promised 
through Christ. It's a victory that we claim as followers of you. But we know that our role in this battle is to pray, so we do pray for protection over the lives of of people here in our churches, across all of our campuses, the people we know and love. God, protect all of us in the name of Jesus. And we pray for our church collectively, the people who are moving this church forward, God. We wanna see more lives transformed. And so we pray against Satan. And God, we hand our church over to you and pray that in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God, we would see victory and transformation and lives reached and changed, addictions broken, hope restored, God. We wanna see all of that happen in our families, in our neighborhoods, right here in the Twin Cities and all across the country and the world, God. So we claim that victory in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Hey, thanks. If you'd like more prayer, we'll have a prayer team down in front. Otherwise, we'll see you next weekend for Dave Ramsey.